speaks about six languages, uh, reads probably more than that. You can, I, I'll help you find them if you're so inclined. They're terrific to read. And he, he was saying that you might find this interesting that uh, a lot of times when he speaks on college campuses, he will teach from the book of Revelation, chapters 12 through 14. He said, uh, um, a lot of people that go to seminary and learn how to study the Bible aren't being taught how to study the book of Revelation, this apocalyptic literature, prophetic literature. You know, they try to teach Greek. And so to teach Greek, they use easy Greek in the New Testament, like John, short letters like First John and Philippians, so a student can translate their way through those books, as, as I did some 30 years ago. But uh, he's, Carson said, you know, Revelation 12 through 14 is about the same size as the book of Philippians, for example. But it's so alien to us that we just stay away from it. We read it and we get overwhelmed and we quit. And, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good size for us. So just saying that 12 through 14 is a little mini subsection in the book of Revelation. And it's very profound. It's a very profound part of the book of Revelation. Because I think it explains deeply explains why things are the way they are. It, it helps us understand life from God's point of view. And the bottom line of it, two, two, two things to say about the bottom line of life as it is, is um, God's sovereignty and real evil that God is using for ultimate eternal purposes. There's real evil in the world. And so uh, chapter 12, we're introduced to this fantastic, and by that I mean bizarre, couple of visions, woman clothed with the sun, getting ready to have a baby. There's a dragon there that's going to eat the baby when she gives birth to the baby, chapter 12. Actually, look at chapter 12 for a moment, if you would. You have your text, you maybe have your Bible. you might have the text of Revelation. I just want you to see a couple of things here. So you have that vision. Uh, then we read that there's war in heaven and the dragon is thrown out of heaven. And then we hear this loud voice saying God's kingdom has come right, right in the middle of chapter 12. And then take a look at uh, verse 12 of chapter 12. Therefore, rejoice O heavens, and you who dwell in them, because the dragon has been kicked out of heaven, but woe to you, O earth and sea, mark those two distinctions, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So when the dragon saw that he was thrown to earth, he chases the woman, which we said is a symbol of the people of God, out of whom comes the Messiah, Jesus, uh, this uh, child in verse 5, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, clear reference to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the coming king. Um, This woman was protected for a time, times, and half a time, which I have come to believe is a symbolic period of time that represents from the ascension of Christ to his second 
coming. So, so this, this age that we're in is that last day, the last days. And um, anyway, verse 17, the dragon was furious with the woman because he was unable to consume her. Obviously, think about it. How's the devil going to capture or consume the people of God who have been marked with a seal, chapter 7, they've been protected by God. The devil can't, nobody, Jesus says, can pluck us out of his hand. We're safe in his hand. Uh, so the devil's infuriated by that fact that he can't uh, devour the woman. So take a look, verse 17, chapter 12. He goes off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Who are the offspring of the woman? Those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. You may not think of yourself in that way. I would encourage you to do so. If you're a believer, yes, I am a person who who is committed by the grace of God to keep his commandments and to hold to the testimony of Jesus. In other words, I, I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Is that you? Is that, is that your aspiration to please God through obedience and faithfulness? Is that what you aspire to? Well, guess what? If you do aspire to that, somebody hates you. Not God, but the devil hates you. All right, so that's chapter 12 with that uh, bit of encouragement. And then moving on to chapter 13, what we're seeing in chapter 13 are two beasts who are the agents, that's a key word, they're the agents of the dragon. The dragon is the devil. The devil uses, now here's where it gets complicated, uh, in the symbolism of Revelation, right, this, this vision that John sees, these images and these visions that he sees, dragon, now we're going to have a composite beast that should be scary to us and intimidating, that those symbols represent realities. The reality is this, the devil is real. And limited. He's limited in what God permits him to do, and he's limited in the time that he has to do it. Chapter 12 says he's infuriated because he knows his time is short. God has, God controls what the devil can do, okay? Satan is God's Satan. They're not equal, all right? He's a created being, he's evil completely evil. Uh, Jesus in the book of John says he's a murderer from the beginning. He's here to kill, kill and steal and destroy. All right. The devil is real. And here's the sobering part. He uses real people in our world to do his business. That's what this chapter is telling us. All right. Uh, among other things. Okay. Uh, any questions or comments about that? I don't know if there would be. All right. What I want to do now is read the chapter. I want to, I just want to point out some things to you that are significant in this chapter. And then, uh, at the end, we'll talk about how me, how we might want to respond. Okay. 
Revelation chapter 13. Now remember, to tell yourself, this is the word of God. Uh, Man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this word, this word, even though it's hard to understand, is profitable for teaching and rebuke and correction and training in righteousness. It's designed to encourage us, okay? All right, having said that, let's read it. Right moving on from chapter 12, again, look at the end of chapter 12. I'll I'll read it for you. The dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he, the dragon, stood on the sand of the sea. Moving right on from that now. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. Just picture that for a moment. John sees a beast. Where was John? He was writing this from an island in the Aegean Sea called Patmos. Anybody ever been there? Okay, Terry, uh, Donna, as has Nadine. If you're on an island and... A boat comes to that island. If you're looking out over the horizon, you're not going to see anything. And then you're, oh, look, there's a bit of a mast. Oh, there's, oh, there's an, a boat coming our way. It's going to appear to rise out of the sea. Okay. Uh, I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Now, it, it's, it's not, it, it, it's a little off. You would expect to hear a description of the heads first. But maybe, you know, it's coming up out of the sea, so you're going to see the top of the horns first. Maybe that's why I said it this way. I don't know. Ten horns. Ten horns. All right, now, that's an image. Seven heads. Use your imagination. A beast with seven heads. That's a lot of heads on a, on a body. Seven heads. Ten crowns, diadems, on its horns. He's got... Ten horns, a crown on every horn, and blasphemous names on its heads. Blasphemous names. Names that curse God on its head. All right? Uh, And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, what books of the Bible are significant for the book of Revelation? What books of the Old Testament are most significant for the book of Revelation? Daniel. Always say Daniel. It's like a kid in Sunday school. Whenever there's a question, Jesus, okay? Whenever there's a question in here about the Old Testament, Daniel. Yes. I mean, yes. What else? Ezekiel, absolutely right. Ezekiel, all right? And Zechariah, you know, you can go from there. All right. Now, outside of the prophetic books, FYI, Exodus is a very important book in the book of Revelation. But really, and this is part of the reason why Revelation is so hard to study, it's pulling all of these themes from the Old Testament. It's the last word. That's why I called it, I think I called it the end. It's the last word in prophecy here. All right. Point being this, uh, from the book of Daniel, Daniel has dreams about beasts that come up. Uh, in chapter 7, 
Now, this is Daniel-ish. It's a, it's a beast with composite parts. So when we think about horns, literally, not just horns coming out of the head of a you know, beast, I'm, I'm picturing a kudu now with those long, straight horns, but uh, horns are kings or tyrannical countries, power. Horns are, represent kingly power, okay? Crowns, power. So, so this beast has a lot of power coming up out of the uh, sea. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, bare feet, mouth like lion's mouth. All right, Daniel-ish. Uh, how is Jesus, what animals is Jesus portrayed as in the book of Revelation? Lion and a lamb. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, all right? He's a bold, fierce, powerful mascot of, of God and his kingdom, lion. This is like somebody got into the mascot costume room and cut them all up and made this biz- it What you're gonna see here, and this is one of the main things I wanna say about chapter 13, is the word parody, P-A-R-O-D-Y. It's in your notes. It's, a, it's an off-kilter exaggeration and a cheap imitation. Did anybody see the recent Batman movie? I don't know if you would have. Uh, there's a, you remember Heath Ledger? Uh, he was the guy that played the Joker in the recent Batman movie. Sadly, tragically, Heath Ledger took his life. Uh, and that was one of the last movies he was in. Uh, but this character, the Joker, was a clownish. And he had this makeup that was just, you know, white face and big mouth and red lips and big black outline around his lips, but it was all out of kilter. You, you are familiar with the theme in like the Simpsons even or uh, in, in some scary movies where there's a clown, but he's a <laughs> bad clown. So it's, clowns are supposed to be funny and make us laugh. But so that's why they take that and they twist it and make it evil and scary. Or like little dolls, you know, that are supposed to be innocent and nice, but then they're, you know, mean and terrifying. That the freaks my daughters out, those, those kind of themes. Well, I, I say that because that's what's happening here. And, and you'll see more about this as we, as we go along. All right, now, here's another very important theme in verse 2. To this beast, this seven-headed, ten-crowned, beast coming up out of the sea with blasphemous names on its head. That's what, that's the purpose of this beast is to oppose God, to curse God. Okay. Um, to this beast, the dragon, who's the dragon? The devil, really the devil is the dragon. The dragon, dragon gives this symbolic beast who actually stands for Somebody in history, okay, um, you get that, right? That this beast is a symbol of an actual person who was blasphemous against God and wreaked havoc on the church and the world in John's day. 
You get that? Do you understand that? That behind this symbol is an actual historical reality in the, um, to the people that John was writing to in the first century. All right. Uh, the devil gives this person in the symbol, this vision, look at these three things. Verse two, power, throne, and great authority. Now, who else has a throne in the book of Revelation? Yeah. Chapter four. This whole thing started in chapter four when John says a door was open in heaven. What did he see? A throne. Okay. Oh, the dragon has a throne. Do you remember in the, you won't, but I want to remind you that in the letters to the seven churches, a couple of them, Jesus is addressing through prophetic messages to those churches. Don't compromise. There's a synagogue of Satan. You're living where Satan has his throne. You you remember that? I think it's chapter two and verse 12, Pergamum. Uh, uh, Satan's throne, sorry, so the dragon has a throne, just like God, but not quite, okay? And great authority. Now, look at this, verse three. One of the dragon's heads seemed to have, ha- to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. Weird, huh? All right. So one of the heads of the beast looked like it had a, what's a mortal wound? Sorry? Fatal wound. He was wounded unto death. But it looked like that he had been healed from that mortal wound. So there's death, but then back from the dead. What does that sound like? Yes. Uh, On the throne, uh, there's one seated on the throne with a scroll, and then there's a, you remember what else he saw? A lamb standing as if, Slain. You remember that? Guess what? That word for slain back in chapter 5 is the exact same word here. I don't have my Greek text in front of me, so I'm not sure if it's the word wound or healed, probably, or even mortal for that matter. Esphagmenane. It's the same word used of the slain lamb. So this, the word parody, What is a parody? An imitation, cheap imitation, exaggeration. Actually, guys, this will help you remember it. Uh, The Greek word parody, paroidos, was about burlesque. So in in some, you know, illicit arena, uh, women were doing sexualized acts or appearing to be in some hypersexual way. And that's where this word parody came from. It's an imitation with exaggeration. It's mocking. Uh, that, that's the idea. And that's what, we're, that's what we have here. Um, all right. So one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. Kind of like, not exactly, but a cheap imitation of the slain lamb who rose from the dead on the third day, who did die and came back to life. This beast, 
Think about the contrast between a lamb and a beast, okay? This beast imitates that death and resurrection like the lamb of God did, all right? This is all intentional, all right? I'm, I'm trying to lead you to appreciate the significance of what is here. The whole earth, now, okay, so this, that's the description. I think I have an outline here. Uh, that's the beast and his authority. But now here's the response to the beast from the world. Do you see this in verse three? This isn't, uh, the, the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. Now in chapter 14, we're gonna hear about those people who follow the lamb. Guess who that is? That's believers who are trying to obey the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus and they follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's one group of people. Incidentally, that group of people experiences the wrath of the beast. There's another group of people that follow the beast. Some people are following the lamb wherever he goes, glorify God, fulfill his eternal purposes of his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And then, pay attention to what direction I'm going in, another group of people follow the beast and they worship the beast and they marvel at the beast, all right? And these people, guess whose wrath they experience? The wrath of God. You're gonna experience wrath. Now, Dr. Carson speaks several languages. He says wrath. He's born in Canada, Wrath. You're going to experience the wrath of God. That's how he says it. Whose wrath do you want to experience? Do you want to experience the temporary wrath of the beast in this life? Or do you want to experience the eternal wrath of the creator of all forever? That's put to the readers of the book of Revelation. Love not the world, love God. Friendship with the world, enmity with God. Okay? Uh, You decide. It is up to you to decide. Whose wrath do you want to experience? Okay, um... They worshiped the whole earth, marveled as they followed the beast. They worshiped the dragon for he had given his authority to the beast. This sense of, uh, what's the word? Uh, I want to say authentication. I think that's the word in my notes here. Yeah, authorize, authorization. The dragon authorizes, all right? The, they, the, the dragon had given his authority to the beast. This person in history had power and that power came from the devil, all right? So, so that sense of uh, the, the beast was given power. Ultimately, who has all the authority? God does, all right? But in this limited realm here, the devil who was kicked out of heaven, he lost the war in heaven and he's now fighting on earth in fury knowing that his time is limited. It's like the Germans after D-Day. It's like Hitler. Was Hitler a real person? Did he really live on the earth? You bet he did. He was a real person at a real place at a real time who knew somewhere in his twisted mind that 
it was over and done with. When he saw those ships rising out of the English Channel, heading to Normandy, he wasn't there at Normandy. He was actually off at a party, kind of oblivious to what was happening uh, in history, which is what it is. But, uh, but the Battle of the Bulge was this furious, enraged, futile, ultimately futile attempt to stamp out everybody that was in his path. That really happened, okay? Now, is Hitler alive today? No. Mortal wound, gone, all right? But there have been others. Uh, Those of you who are familiar with, well, Vietnam, Pol Pot, Cambodia, Others have come and taken Hitler's place to do what the red horse in chapter 6 went to go through the earth and do, which is to take peace from the earth so that people would kill each other, okay? And guess what? There's a beast in the world today, and this real human being, uh, I forget his name, Baghdadi? Uh, is mobilizing the Islamic State to go throughout the world and through killing, the, among others, the Church of Jesus Christ to create this kingdom on earth, okay? So the beast keeps coming back. That's, that's the point, okay? Uh, Hitler, Lenin, Stalin, um, and on and on we go. Okay, so uh, they worshiped the dragon for he had given his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Uh, That sounds so much like so much of the theology of Isaiah. You're shaking your head. That's awesome that Tim's over there like, yep, that's exactly right. That's what Isaiah says. Who is like unto you, O Lord? All the gods of the nations are idols. You have made the heavens and the earth. Isaiah has biting satire. You people with your idols, you chop down a tree, you you take half of the trunk and you make an idol out of it and you bow down and worship this trunk that you've made and the other half of the tree you throw in your fire to cook your food with. Are you kidding me? What is that? Well, here's what it is. You become like what you worship. So if you worship a deaf, dumb, blind piece of rock or stone, guess what happens to you spiritually? Deaf, dumb, blind, spiritually speaking. You become like what you worship. If you worship the true and living Lord of all life, Lord of all good, you become alive and you can see things the way they really are. So, in this day and age where so many in our country are not following a military tyrant that delights to increase territory by killing weaker people, that's not our beast in our culture. We have philosophy and democracy and freedom, and capitalism. And that's not inherently evil. 
But the evil one wants to twist it just about five degrees off of God's holy purposes so that we kill people discreetly, privately, unobtrusively by the millions in clinics, sterilized, safe, politically correct clinics. And as we're killing these babies, we lift up this virtuous idea of choice and freedom of women not to be encumbered by breaking the commandments of God to be chaste and moral. And it's women's choice that we exalt. It's like five degrees off. And now in our culture, we extol the courage of a man-womanish creature who has enough, I hesitate to use the word, I won't use it in mixed company, uh, has enough, you know what I'm talking about, to, to take those away and become not a woman, but womanish, just like five degrees off kilter. But we say courage. He, she, it eventually has courage. And marriage and rights and freedom for a person to fulfill their God created. Because, you know, if, if, if it serves us, we'll talk about God. They made me this way. And for me to marry a person with my same set of plumbing is a freedom and a right. And, and these marriages that we now have, that so many people, well-meaning young people who would identify themselves as Christians, say that's good for them to be able to do that because we live in a country of freedom and tolerance. Tolerance of everything but intolerant Christianity. But anyway, uh, that's awesome for them. And it's, is it marriage? Well, one dresses up like a man-ish person and one dresses up like a woman-ish person. And in the female side of that homosexuality, there's a man-ish partner and a female-ish partner. And in the male side of homosexuality, there's a feminine-ish, woman-ish partner and a man-ish partner, and they stand up and they get married, but it's like five degrees off, and it can never produce life. So the devil can't create evil. All he can do in his rage against the people of God is come up with these jokerish aberrations that so many say, awesome, and let's have a parade and be, express our pride about it. But it's like just five degrees off kilter. And in the end, in the end, it leads away from God. 
And anything is like that. Anything. Stuff can become a replacement of humble consecration and love for Jesus Christ. And political power, you know the phrase. I can't quote it. Maybe some of you can help me. Uh, Power corrupts. Absolute power sounds kind of fun. (laughs) Sorry, corrupts absolutely. Yeah, okay. So this is what the beast does. Satan empowers, authorizes, gives power to this beast, and this beast attracts the worship of... uh, of, of those who were not following the lamb. Verse five, the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, a mouth, haughty, proud, blasphemous, and was allowed, allowed by whom? Uh, God. Allowed to exercise authority, again, for 42 months. A time, times, and half a time. 42 months, three and a half years, a limited amount, a time, a time and times that seems like it's going to go on and on and on, but it doesn't. It's cut off, cut off by the coming of the Lord. Um, Let's see. And it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. The dwelling of God, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Those words, dwelling, and those who dwell in heaven are the very same word that is used of the word of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, tabernacling among us, the very presence of God. God came here to make a people who were to be a kingdom of his. Uh, This beast was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. These are ultimate issues here of the mind and the heart. Worship here. Uh, uh, Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So uh, uh, the saints are being conquered to the point of death just like their savior, Jesus Christ was. He, he won through losing. Uh, he conquered through dying. So verse nine and 10, here's a message to us. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. These things are determined. God is not out of control here. God is in control, and the dragon and the beast are under control. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, stay tuned for chapter 14, with the sword, he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. All right, so that's beast number one. Uh, Now, beast number two, a little more quickly, because I've developed some of these themes now, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Uh, Let me just say this, uh, for certainly for the Jews living in Israel, and I'm assuming for the Asian Christians living in what is today Turkey, and certainly John on Patmos, you know, something coming out of the sea, particularly for a Jewish landlubber. They, they were landlubbers. They were not ocean-going peoples like the Phoenicians uh, and the Romans. So anything coming out of the ocean was scary. 
C was a place of chaos. Don't go there. Like some of y'all don't like to fly, you know. Just I don't like to, if if God had meant us for us to fly, He'd given us wings. I just assume stay on the earth, you know. That's how they felt about the ocean. Don't go out there, okay. Personally, it's how I feel. <laughs> I don't like to swim out there. There's too much out there that could get me. So that, that's kind of the way. So anything coming out of the sea was scary. Things coming from the earth. Now that was like native domestic. It's what we, we, we say organic. So it's, it's ultimately, you know, better. So this second beast is coming out of the earth. That's a easier, more comfortable, kinder, gentler place. Now it had two horns like a lamb. All right. Now that's not in, that's not threatening. That's not seven heads. That's not 10 horns, two horns, like a lamb, like a lamb, a cheap imitation of a, and we know where the lamb image came from chapter five about Jesus Christ. Uh, but it spoke like a dragon. Can you picture that? A lamb speaking like a dragon. That's like weird. That's like a baby becoming in the horror movie. Okay. It's like a clown being mean instead of nice and funny. A lamb speaking like a dragon. You know, oh, nice little, ah, just bit my hand off. Okay. Uh, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. Get this. The dragon empowers the beast to do its thing. And here we read that this second beast, which is going to be referred to later as the false prophet, uh, exercises the authority of the first beast. So you see this triangle of power and authority? Do you see that there's a dragon who empowers a beast, who empowers a second beast? Do, do you see this Trinitarian relationship that is kind of like the triune God? but is a little off kilter. That's what's happening here, friends. This is a parody. It's an imitation. It is a defeated devil who is wicked and full of pride imitating the good and glorious triune God who uh, the father sends the son and the son delights to do what the father has authorized him to do. And he, and the spirit bears witness to the son. And so this Trinitarian relationship of holiness and purity here is mocked and distorted, uh, by the devil, uh, purposely. So you have the dragon and the beast and here now the false prophet. He, he makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. That emphasis here on this death and now kind of pseudo resurrection. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Who did that? A real prophet did that in the Old Testament. Elijah did that with the prophets of Baal. This false prophet, like that true prophet in a cheap but real imitation, calls fire down from heaven. Jesus says, beware. There will be many false prophets who are doing miraculous things in my name. But Jesus says, I have nothing to do with them. Okay? Uh, by signs, it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast. It, do you see verse 14? You might want to circle that word. Deceives those who dwell on the earth. Uh, 
The very nature of sin is self-deceiving. It, it deceives us. The devil does, is not going to come up to you and say, you know, aren't you tired of following God? Don't you want to hate him and love me and become just a complete blasphemous pagan? Wouldn't that be better for you? He's not going to do that. He's going to get you off by about five degrees. And if you stop paying attention and you stop eating and feeding on the food of God and the fellowship of his people, and if you stop listening to the convicting, comforting voice of the Holy Spirit, you, what's the word? Wander astray, okay? Uh, Howard Hendricks, my seminary professor, said, very few Christians have a blowout. Most of them have slow leak. It's just little incremental over time, well, you know, I'm just blah, 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 blah. What's the true state of your soul? Do you think you're fine? Sin will make you say, everything's fine. Not realizing that it's not fine. Okay? All right. Uh, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. There's that theme again, death, resurrection. It was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. It also causes, do you see this? Do you see this influence? Influence causes both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man and his number is 666. Okay, the reason why I gave you a whole page front and back of everything you always wanted to know about the mark of the beast but were afraid to ask um, is because the tendency of us all is to wonder about what that mark of the beast is all about, but not draw the lesson from it. The lesson from it is, and it's said right here, uh, let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. We're supposed to have wisdom, and wisdom understands that there is a source of truth and life who has told me the way. And I want to know him and follow him. And there are all kinds, look at your notes, even John in the first century says, many antichrists have come into the world. There are all kinds of people who will come to you like a wolf in sheep's clothing and preach this message that sounds so smart and so good and so intuitive, but doesn't have anything to do with the fact that God sent his son to be crucified and die and shed his blood as an atoning sacrifice to make a propitiation for the wrath of God and take away our sins. And it is through him and through faith in him that we live and love and have our being and significance in this world. So anybody who comes and whose message is not ultimately 
connected and pointing to and seeking to glorify the crucified, risen, and coming single, solitary Savior, Jesus Christ, is ultimately giving you a substitute, which is the essence of what Antichrist is. Antichrist isn't against Christ, although it is against Christ. He hates Christ. It's a substitute for Christ. So friends, beware of any teacher, savant, philosophy, ideology, lifestyle that doesn't come back to a man on the earth who said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant of my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Anything that doesn't keep coming back to him will lead you astray. Whose wrath do you want to experience? The wrath of God or the wrath of the beast? It's up to you. Let's close in prayer.